Hey, hey travelers. travelers. I'm Taylor. I'm Cassie. And, and this, this is, is Going, going past, past the Veil. I want to start today's episode with a suicide trigger warning. So if you are not in a mind space where you can listen to anything about suicide, I will see you next time. Northwest of Mount Fuji, which is located on the island of Honshu in Japan, there is a forest that beckons the hopeless. On 12 square miles of hardened lava, a sea of trees that holds the last moments of countless people throughout the years stands tall. Aoki Kahara has been there since 864 CE. This forest, even with its dark stories and history, is a beautiful place, calling to everyone, but just be careful to stay on the path. When you enter Aoki Kahara, you will see signs that urge suicidal visitors to think of their families and ways to find help. So before I go any further, what do you know about Aoki Kahara, Taylor? that it is from a different culture because of the word Aokiara. Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. There you go. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> that's all I know about. I, I feel like you and I have discussed it before. Or uh, this is gonna sound really dumb. Is this the the forest that people go to to unalive? Yes. Okay, it's also this... known as the suicide forest. Okay, is this also the forest that that one YouTuber got in trouble for because he posted a video of him finding a body? Yes. <gasps> okay. Then yes, <laughs> I know a little bit about it, but not all about it. So I'm, oh yes. Let's just reiterate, guys, that if you ever need any type of help or mental mental help at all not only are we here for you guys but we'll be posting some resources for you as well yes and i'm going to do a little bit of history on the forest and the interesting history that japan has with suicide and a couple little facts but then i also have a really good reddit story at the end so this is going to be more of like a Reddit storytelling episode, but it's super, super interesting. Reddit coming in hot. We love Reddit. Japan has an interesting and sad history with suicide. Let's start with seppuku, and I hope I'm saying that right. This is a form of ritual suicide that has history as far back as 1180. The first ever recorded use of seppuku was by Minamoto no Yorimasa, during the Battle of Yuji in 1180. Now, what exactly is seppuku? This is a form of suicide by disembowelment. It was originally meant for samurai in their code of honor, but was also practiced by other Japanese people during the Showa period to restore honor for them or their families. Samurais would prefer seppuku and die with honor than be caught and tortured by the enemies. Seppuku was considered an honorable suicide, and they would do this to escape the shame of a dishonorable action. For example, having an affair, being part of a scandal, or being defeated in battle. Let's get to modern day suicide in Japan. Suicide in modern Japan is considered a major social issue. In 2017, the country had the seventh highest suicide rate at 14.9 per 100,000 people. In 2019, 
that jumped to the second highest. 70% of suicides in Japan are male and the leading cause of death in men ages 20 to 44. Suicide is actually often considered a tolerant act due to its history in the country, which is really strange to me, but I guess it's the culture. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Aoki Gahara is one of the most popular sites for suicide in Japan. In 2003 alone, 105 bodies were found. In 2010, the police recorded more than 200 people who had attempted suicide. 54 completed the act. In more recent years, officials don't publicize the numbers in an attempt to decrease suicides in Aoki Gahara. When you hear stories about this forest, you've probably heard the term ubusut and yuri. Have you heard those terms before? Nope, not at all. Have you ever watched any anime? I really haven't. The only anime that I've, like, watched that I think is considered anime, because I know you've watched a lot, and Tony's watched a lot, and so my kids are starting to get into it, but we actually watched Spirited Away. Okay. Which is anime, right? Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, that's that's pretty much my only anime. I, I've tried to get into it, and I, I just can't. Okay. I This is the first time I've heard the term ubisuit, but I know I've heard the term yuri in animes before. That's why I was asking. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Not so much me. Wait, <laughs> is Sailor Moon considered anime? I no. think I, uh, it's a very Americanized anime. I think that was a really dumb question on my part. No, because I think there's a lot of like anime or cartoons that kind of sit on the border of it all. I think Sailor Moon, Pokemon, Digimon, those kind kind of sit on this like teeter-totter of is it anime? Is it a cartoon? Is it this? Is it that? that? Those are a little more questionable. Yeah, and I did just look it up and it was one of the second most asked questions for Sailor Moon. Um, and it says that Sailor Moon is one of the most well-known anime from the last 30 years. So, okay. so yeah, which is interesting because, like, I, I really loved Sailor Moon. Like, I loved Sailor Moon. So, I guess, uh, yes, I have watched some. <laughs> okay. To answer the main question that really doesn't mean anything <laughs> at all at this point in time. <laughs> in the research that I've done, Ubisuit is considered a mythical practice, but... I don't know if, like, in the Japanese culture, if it was actually practiced, like, in the old days. It is a mythical practice of leaving an elderly loved one to die in a remote location. In an old Buddhist poem, a son was carrying his elderly mother up the mountain on his back. And during this trip, she would break twigs and throw them on the ground so her son could find his way home. The poem is this. In the depths of the mountains... Whom was it for the aged mother snapped one twig after another? She did so for the sake of her son. I'm going to read it one more time. (laughs) In the depths of the mountains, whom was it for that the aged mother snapped one twig after another? She did so for the sake of her son. Now let's talk about this poem for a moment because like this short little poem is literally about a son carrying his mother up the mountain on his back to leave her to die. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> it, it's like, I like, I get why they did it because the elderly would want to sacrifice themselves. So there would be enough resources for the younger and stronger people in the family to survive. Yeah. But it's like, holy moly. <laughs> like what? Well, but also the thing is, is I would do anything for my kids. So it's like, you do anything you have to do for your children. You know what I mean? Like you just, you do it. 
Do what mm-hmm. you gotta do. The other common term would be a yuri. A yuri is a vengeful ghost, essentially. I don't like that. <laughs> According to Japanese beliefs, all humans have a spirit called a raikon. And I do apologize if I say any of these terms incorrectly, because I'm about to like go over some other things, like kind of umbrella under yuri. And I'm going to try my best to pronounce them, but I make no promises. Yeah, you guys know us. We're not we're not <laughs> great at pronouncing things. It doesn't matter how much I look it up. We're not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when a person dies, their spirit leaves their body and waits and enters a form of purgatory, where it then waits for its rites and proper funeral to be performed so it can join its ancestors. If a person dies a sudden or violent death and never receives the rites, or if they die with powerful emotions such as rage, passion, hatred, or sorrow, the Raycon or the human soul then transforms into a Yuri. The Yuri have the ability to bridge the gap between the spiritual and physical worlds. Huh. <laughs> I don't like it. Now, there are several kinds of categories that are umbrellaed under a Yuri, and not all of them are like angry. So we'll start with the first one. And Onryo is a vengeful ghost who comes back from purgatory for a wrong done to them during their lifetime. Interesting. A Ubume is a mother ghost who died in childbirth or died leaving young children behind. This Yori often returns to care for her children and (laughs) brings them sweets. So that one's not too bad. It's not. It's not, but (laughs) it is. (laughs) I freaks mean, me out. She's just trying to take care of her kids. I get that. I get it. And I would understand. But it's sca- But okay, but you know, but at the same time, I've made jokes about my mom. Like I'm at the point now I can make mom jokes now that she's gone. But I I I have told my aunt before when my aunt's like, "Oh yeah, like your mom came to me in a dream last night." I'm like, "Well, tell her not to come to me." Like <laughs> <laughs> like I love her. I miss her, but no ma'am. Like don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> So, I mean, it scares me. <laughs> I'm a weirdo, though. <laughs> we have the Funoyori. This is a ghost of those who have died at sea. These ghosts are sometimes depicted as scaly, fish-like humanoids, and some may even have a form similar to that of a mermaid or merman. So this may actually, like, fuel the the lore of mermaids. Interesting. Okay. Which, okay, let's just take a side note here. I don't feel like we've taken a lot of side notes since we've been back. Do you believe in mermaids? Yes. I do too, but I don't believe they look like the traditional mermaids that we think they look like at all. So, okay, cool. Just making sure I'm not alone there. We also have a Zashiki Warashi. These are the ghosts of children. They're not evil so much as they are mischievous. Like they're little jokesters or pranksters. So the ones that like to hide your keys or misplace <laughs> a book, something like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. The Fuyure, which is in English, floating spirit. These spirits do not seek to fulfill an exact purpose, but they wander around aimlessly. In ancient times, the disease of the emperor of Japan was thought to arise as a result of these floating spirits in the air. The last one I have is called a Jibakure, or earthbound spirit, similar to the Fuyure, or floating spirit. These are rare, and these spirits do not seek to fulfill an exact purpose and are instead bound to a specific place or situation. 
An example of this includes the famous story of Okiku at the well of Himeji Castle and the hauntings in the film Juon or The Grudge, which The Grudge is a like a pretty popular franchise here in the U.S. So the grudge demon lady is considered a jibakure. Have you seen any of the grudge movies? Um, Yes. I love the grudge movies. If you count <laughs> barely looking through my fingers yeah, as they're I over my so. eyes. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, I watch scary movies as long as my fingers can be in front of my eyes and I barely look out. Then, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 the way I go. So that is all the information uh, that I pulled together on them, on the on the forest. And the reason I went over more of the spirits and stuff is because so many people have died in Aokigahara that the lore and the stories and so many ghosts essentially reside in that forest. So I thought it was interesting to go over the types of spirits in the Japanese culture. Right. And now we are on to the Reddit story, which I am super excited about. This is from Reddit No Sleep, posted by user Bert Schmidt. It's a little long, so bear with me. Let's do it. We went spelunking in and around Mount Fuji, Japan, many years ago. Most specifically, to visit the Narusawa Ice Cave an alluring, magnificent convergence of ice crystals and lightly coated dry snow inside an iridescent cavern, magically shifting colors from blue to a fluorescent purple, depending on the time of day and the amount of light seeping in, nature's ancient lava lamp of which you've only seen in your dreams or paintings. Only, there was a tension infecting the group the further we traveled. Alyssa trailed along in the back, she was the introvert of the group. She'd barely spoken a word the entire time. Didn't even seem to get enjoyment out of any of it, really. But unaccounted for dread began to tap and shake at my nerves. And finally, there was the light at the end, and we exited to find ourselves outstretched on a natural shelf overlooking Aokigahara National Forest, the Forest of the Dead. Hmm. The five of us abound with nervous laughter on our way down the mountain mostly in exasperation, hurling ghost stories at one another, all while admiring its beauty and Fuji's snow-covered cone. As if visiting a fantastical planet in a far-off galaxy, the landscape was breathtaking. Air was clear, smelling like pines and fresh water for miles. Sounds of strange animals chirping and leaping across the canopies above us. And then, there was the never-faltering sound of running streams at all times surrounding us in every direction, including the sky. Once we made our descent down the west face of the foothills and arrived at our destination, we for the first time gazed beyond the tree line into an infinite refracting green prism. Jen, one member of our group, spoke for all of us as they felt eerily silent. I just got a chill. We all felt it. A complete shift in the mood. All I could muster was, what the hell was that? All I know is that if I find a hanging corpse, I'm putting it on YouTube, said Andrew, trying to quell our collective uneasiness with a bit of levity. Didn't somebody already do that and get banned or something? If I see a hanging body, I'll kill all of you for dragging me down here, I warned. Alyssa was most shaken most likely because of her history of staring suicide in the face. 
She came home from school and found her twin brother in the closet, toes hovering mere inches above the floor, twirling in slow circles. Nobody even suspected he was depressed. He was only 17. It was the quiet ones, the friends you never suspect. So often it's the ones no longer begging or asking for attention or help, who are always in the precarious places mentally. They gain an acceptance of their fate and tend to exude air of catharsis with the situation. Guys, I don't know that I'm too excited to go into this place. I can smell it already, can't you? Alyssa, there is no smell except for pines and firs. Wildlife. I smell something stinking. Oh god, it's bad. Perhaps a placebo effect. We all assumed she was expecting the worst before we even went in there. Undoubtedly, the reputation of the aptly dubbed Suicide Forest indeed precedes itself. I can take her back to camp, said Jen. It's a two-day trip. You can't be serious. I'm fine, Alyssa said. But she wasn't. It was in those eyes of hers, always squinting and always looking ahead or up in the trees, as if she saw something we didn't. We each took one final allied inhale before moving forward. Of course, we imagined rows and rows of dead bodies. But what was most bothersome was this place's lore is that thousands that get lost and die every year of starvation. Perhaps this is more the cause of suicides than depression. They say compasses don't work here. All a wives' tale, spouted a skeptical Andrew. Of course, we didn't truly expect to see anything to write home about. 34.5 degrees north, 138.7 degrees east. Looks like the compasses work. Debunked, joked Jeremy. Despite its disturbing history, being trapped inside this iridescent emerald schism was much more tranquil than I suspected. Do you all feel that? Like a calming relaxation. Yeah, we all said at the same time. But Alyssa remained silent. It's too quiet. Where are all the birds? Why does everything look the same? Liz, it's a forest. It's supposed to look the same. Soon there was as much a thicket behind us as there was in front of us all around. No more points of entry or exit. How many people travel to this place every year? Jeremy, you know all the fun facts shit. About 100,000. And how many kill themselves or get lost? Depends. On what? Depends on how many enter the forbidden zone. That's just bullshit to draw on travelers. Don't listen to him, Jen said directly to an anxiety-ridden Alyssa. I'm going back. This doesn't feel right. You can't go back already. Liz, just do me a favor. I promise we'll all be laughing about this on our flight home. After a few seconds of pleading, a black crow fell from the canopy right at our feet, head turned completely around. We all jumped and Alyssa screamed, I'm going now. Alyssa began to run off down the direction we came while we cried out for her to stop. I had an extra compass, so I ran to Alyssa and slipped it into her palm. Her eyes were red from sobbing. Here, take this. Look, I'm not leaving you alone in the middle of the Japanese wilderness. I can't go in there. I've got to go. I got to get out. I don't mean to interfere with your exploration, but like I said, it doesn't feel right. If nobody else goes back with you, I will. But Liz, please try to understand our side. This is a once in a lifetime experience. Where better to face your fears than in one of the most pristine places on planet Earth? It sticks and leaves, no offense. Through her sniveling, she said something I'd never forget. I've already been here, you know. I was confused, to say the least. But Lissa, 
We haven't even seen anything yet. I did, and that's why I'm not going back there. What did you see? She paused while composing herself and then said it. My brother. Yo, you guys come on or what? Shouted Jeremy. My gosh. <laughs> that's a nope goat for me. Nope. Just give us a minute, Alyssa. I can't tell if you're being literal or philosophical. I feel like I treated her as if what she said was all bullshit. Another chill running up my back at the sound of a creaking treetop in the wind. So eerie. Despite the emptiness of our surroundings, she stood by her conviction. And after a few puffs of my last joint, she decided to trek alongside us. We made a silent pact to not talk about suicide around Alyssa. The further we traveled, the more entombed we felt, and oddly, more depressed. Like we were inside a chamber, slowly filling with some noxious gas. After a bit, the chatter just organically subsided, little by little. Soon, we weren't even speaking at all. I'm not sure where it came from or why, but I had to stop and lean against a tree to catch my breath, and then I wept. They tried to console me, asking me what was wrong. It's been ailing me this whole trip. It's Jack. I can't stop thinking about the last day of our marriage at the house. Jen placed her hands on my shoulders. Honey, that was a long time ago. Wait, how do you even know that? Did I tell you? Another shot of ice in my veins. Jesus, I don't even know, April. It was like the thought that was forced to the forefront of my mind against my will. I'm sorry, guys. Please give me a moment. I couldn't stop crying. The episode came and went disappeared into apathy as quickly as it turned from peaceful to being grief-stricken. We continued our journey. Now, the entrance was gone. We could have been anywhere. We marched ahead like zombies, not going in any particular direction. Even the looks on their faces, perpetually slack-jawed like a corpse. Well, it looked like they were already dead. I noticed Jen's lips and face turning blue. I felt downtrodden, wheezing a burn across my neck, hopelessly out of breath. I thought trees produce oxygen. Feels like they're sucking it out. I can't breathe. I began to take inventory of everything wrong in my life. Hidden drug addiction, stealing to make ends meet, cheating on my ex with his friend. Despite many of these things happening 15 or 20 years ago, somehow in these moments, it was dragging me under. I tried to speak but couldn't. Suddenly, I became afraid of my friends. Even Alyssa was smirking. I finally knew why we were here. It was all a ploy, a ploy to take me out. We were marching into danger. The air was still thinning. We continued wandering aimlessly between uncannily similar trees, repeating patterns in an endless loop at this point. After maybe five miles, we ceased for unexplainable reasons, talking about any planned or mapped route. I turned to see Jeremy turning blue and wheezing. Alyssa began gasping for air, stretching to the sky, and out of nowhere, a jarring sight. Jen had fallen to the ground and had begun seizing. Andrew was standing still, but he made a comment which truly disturbed me. Do you smell that stench? And truthfully, I did. It smelled like roadkill with a tinge of sweetness. The exact description of how a carcass smells for my stepdad who was a cop. It was why they used smelling salts. I wanted to puke. Something was wrong with this place. I came to the realization that it wasn't the people killing themselves. It was the forest. 37 degrees north, 141 degrees south. 
I can't articulate why Andrew would even continue to tell us where we were because his coordinates meant nothing at this point. I'm feeling sick. I need to sit down. Jeremy found a tree and sat against it. Jen, remember when we were like 10 and we used to catch bugs? Why does it matter? She began to whimper and cry quietly. Remember when we caught that big, beautiful monarch butterfly and put it in the cage with all those spiders? We laughed while it struggled to fly away, even though it was being devoured. How scared do you think that poor thing felt? Trapped, you know? I, I guess I remember. Why, Jeremy? That was like 15 years ago. It was a butterfly. Because that's us. We're the butterfly and it's us. How could you be so fucking cold? Grow up. We were kids. What is it with you people? If I had known this would happen, I had never suggested it. This is your fault, Jen, Alyssa raged. Jeremy, where are we? How did we get out of here? Jeremy looked to the skies, eyed wide with fear, and asked, Do you hear them? They're right above us. Okay, we need to stop. Anybody's GPS working? We have to keep going, Andrew replying with complete indifference to my concerns. Go where? One big circle with no exit. I couldn't identify any one particular voice from another. It's still daylight. We've been walking for hours and it's still 7.14. It's blurry. I feel sick. I can't breathe. We have to get out of this oxygen-sucking force field. We were adrift in an ocean of trees. I couldn't stop thinking about how much I miss Jack and even more, how much I long to see Abby again. She was only six and I don't want her believing her mother abandoned her. I started to hear a gentle sobbing and turned to see Jen with her head against a tree. They took my baby away. I was a good mother. She turned to address us as a group, eyes red and watery. Babies fall sometimes. What was I supposed to do? I never hurt her. So I looked at Andrew. So let's get this over with. What do you need to cry about? The way he looked at me filled me with dread. He held this expression of satisfaction. I shuddered at his cold, dead stare my senses beginning to heighten. Oh, I don't cry. I don't have the ability. I don't understand. When something tragic occurs, it leaves what I like to call an eternal cigarette burn in the place of where it happened. When I first brought you here, you complained of a smell, a lingering after effect, an anomaly undeniable, but also unexplainable to mortals. My head abruptly began to spin, my vision blurry, and I broke out into a cold sweat. I came to a profound realization that nauseated me the more I realized. And in this moment of acute cognizance, I felt myself sinking inside. Jen, Andrew, Alyssa, and Jeremy, I've never met them before. Except I had, all at the same time. And it hit me once I approached the yellow tape and signs reading Kinshi Kuiki, Japanese for Forbidden Zone. I shut my eyes and stumbled into the mud. When I came to, I found myself standing in a circle with four other American tourists, Alyssa, Jeremy, Jen, and Andrew. And instantaneously, I found myself clothed, looking through the eyes of my mortal vessel. We wondered when you'd show up, April. It's getting to be that time uttered Andrew. Alyssa placed her hand on my shoulder. It's okay. It will take you a few minutes to catch up. Don't be afraid. We're your friends. I could only mutter one thing. Where am I? When am I going home? I need to see my little girl. Night was beginning to fall, and snowflakes leisurely drifted as far as my eyes could see. 
far into the green prison, meandering and blowing in swirls. Birds and other animals cackled and hooted in infinity. This is going to be awful. I'd rather go first, get it over with, murmured Jeremy. Alyssa still clung to my arm and ran her fingers through my hair. Jen began to sob. Not again, please. Well, wouldn't you please tell me what's happening here? She's still not remembering, Andrew. Andrew approached me and gazed in my eyes inches from my face. Bloodshot eyes with dilated black pupils, and suddenly the stench came back. No need to worry about your daughter. She's long grown up. She'd be about 25 or 26 now, right? Who are you? I am the proliferation of this place. When you killed yourself, a deal was made, and you made a choice. And then I began to see it all clearly again. I think I understand. Then say it, demanded Andrew. In Japan, there is an underground organization called Project Evacuate. For a hefty fee, they will take you out in an unmarked van and guide you into the Forbidden Zone. The further into the forest we trekked, I remembered our guide putting a mask of some sort, and then we took turns climbing the tree. I don't recall anymore. Andrew's skin turned a pale blue, his hands cold as ice. Who are you, really? I was the first, at least as far back as history can be calculated. An American in a Japanese forest of all people, right? So am I alive right now? Andrew turned and angrily spat out at the group the words, You keep quiet or there will be hell to pay. It's all right, began Jeremy. None of us wanted to be live anyway. But April, you were never sure. Andrew is the embodiment of whatever incalculable evil is in this place. He's not human. But you? We are right now. For this short space of time, you can have it all back. What do you mean, have it back? Alyssa? Aoki Kahara takes lives, but it can also give them back. I've watched you repeatedly kill yourself each time you relieve your journey here. This forest is as much a miracle as it is evil. The rest of us don't want our lives back. Go home and watch Abigail grow up. Run now, in this direction. Don't deviate. Alyssa, I don't want to leave you. You've been so good to me. Listen, April, in about five minutes, your lucidity is going to blur. You'll wind up where this journey began and have to relive it over and over again. Five minutes, go and get out of here. Before Andrew had stopped tearing into Jeremy's flesh with his instantaneously grown claws, I quietly removed myself from the group. I hid behind a tree and watched Alyssa drop a noose around her neck and say one last thing, I'm ready. I didn't stay to watch. When I emerged into the parking lot, I found a white van waiting for me and saw the face of a man I hadn't seen in decades. I never knew his name. So you know our secret, eh? How long has it been? How long have I been gone? Eh, I'd say about two hours. You're the first to ever come back. Congratulations. On the ride back, this man named Loki hesitantly told me something deeply honest within his heart. You know, I understand we're here to help, but I'm not sure this is the answer. I always hoped they'd come back. Can you please take me to a payphone? There'll be one at the stop. May I ask, what made you do this in the first place? I lifted up my shirt to find open sores and grazed my hand across my shaven head. Cancer. I didn't want my daughter to watch me deteriorate. I learned about you guys from a friend at one of my cancer therapy groups. I see. But Loki, is it? 
I do have one question. Why would God give me another chance after committing the most damning of all sins? I mean, what exactly is that forest? There was an uncomfortable silence. Loki, did you hear my question? He began laughing menacingly. I hear it perfectly well. My answer is, someone lied to you. What? Suddenly, the van crawled to a stop and three people stepped inside. Jen, Alyssa, and Andrew. No Jeremy. I see you folks so much, I'm beginning to think I'm dead, muttered Loki. They all chose their seats as I began falling inside and breaking into a cold sweat. Hi, I'm Alyssa. She reached us out to shake my hand. All of a sudden, I felt a hot breath in my ear, leaning in from behind me. It was Andrew. Nice try, April, but nobody escapes the forest. It's all in my control, just as it is where I sent Jeremy. And why are you the authority here? What are you, a demon or something? Do not speak too loudly. As to your question, I don't know. I never knew what I was. All I know is that you're trapped, just like me. I can scream. Scream all you want. Nobody can hear the dead. You're lucky to be where you are and not that other place. He was right. No use in getting myself in worse trouble or going wherever Jeremy went. I now knew exactly what this forest was. Purgatory. Andrew will probably find this recording if I keep it on me as I watch each one of my newest friends writhe and gasp for desperately for air, twitching and shaking into oblivion until their heart stops. So I'm shutting it off now and tossing it as far as I can away from here. Maybe one day someone will find it and explain to Abigail why I left. Perhaps if this recording is found, it will disprove Andrew's notion that at least for a while, I'm actually alive, real. I'm sure it's just wishful thinking. Aoki Gahara, Precinct 22, 11-14-2013. Detective Haru Matsushimi, Investigating Officer. Item checked into evidence, Sony TCM-929 cassette recorder, 2001 model. After review of the tape, Deck's conclusion is that there's merely a hoax or lost personal item lacking per pertinent details to continue looking into it. There are no dates, last or maiden names, Recorder weathered but preserved. Items registered into evidence. Cleared for pickup by owner. Matter now closed. Aoki Gahara, Precinct 22, 11-15-2013. Detective Haru Matsushimi, Investigating Officer. In reference to evidence item number 2241, Detective made aware of a positive information relating to Sony TCM-929 cassette recorder, 2001 model, and possible link to case docket number 77124, a report filed on 2-28-2001, related to multiple deaths ruled as suicide. Subjects, Jennifer Riley, Alyssa Reinhold, Jeremy Nagy, and April Winston, discovered by anonymous witness, suspended from trees, dead by hanging. Coroner's report indicates all subjects in nearly identical states of decay. Case reopened. Dun, dun, dun. So, what'd you think? I'm not gonna lie at first. I thought this was a real story. It, like, I, it, it started out really good. And then it's like, it's, it was still really good throughout it. But the way they started it with it seeming really real. And then kind yeah. of like going into that lore was really interesting. Yeah. Because I, I can't remember the exact part that I was like, oh, oh, this isn't real. Like, because at first I'm thinking, oh, okay, cool. They're like, they're, you know, the, this real group of friends is, is walking around. Like, that's kind of interesting. And then, and then I was like, this 
is not a real story. <laughs> no, I think it was good. I mean, you guys all know that I'm a little scared with scary stuff. So, but it was good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> While you're sitting there looking out the back door, trying to figure out what Duke's looking at. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Like yeah. I had to mute myself a few, t- few times because I'm like, Duke. And you just sit down and I'm scared. So like what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I always suggest guys, if you have a puppy and I say puppy, but my dog's going to be five in April. But like if you have a puppy, (laughs) keep them near you whenever Cassie does any of her episodes because her episodes are always scary. My episodes are not always scary. Uh, For the most part, it's scary. (laughs) It is scary. But that's what but I think that's really interesting. And I think everybody that's listening would agree, too. You've got two people who are best friends who have totally opposite, like, I don't want to say interest because we're both the things that we're, we talk about we're both interested in. So I, I don't know how right. to explain it. But, like, you know, you know when Cassie's going to say an episode, it's going to be kind of scary. You know, <laughs> when Taylor says an episode, it's going to be, like, lighthearted and full of really bad puns. Like, we know that. We have very distinct personalities. Distinct personalities. See, that is the perfect way to say it. Yes. But I liked it. I think it was really interesting. And like I said, I I really thought at first, like whoever wrote this story, and I know you've already got all their information. You'll have that all in the details. And and you Mm -hmm. also said who it was at the beginning. But I think it's really cool because they're a very good storyteller, I feel like. Yeah. To wrap up this episode, I do want to do a suicide awareness reminder. There is a new like emergency line that's going to be coming out fairly soon. So I'm just going to read the notes I have here. Okay. 988 has been designated as the new three-digit dialing code that will route callers to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. While some areas may currently be able to connect to the lifeline by dialing 988, This dialing code will be available to everyone across the United States starting on July 16th, 2022. When people call, text, or chat 988, they will be connected to trained counselors that are part of the existing National Suicide Prevention Lifeline Network. These trained counselors will listen, understand how your problems are affecting you, provide support, and connect you to resources if necessary. The current Lifeline phone number is one 800 273-8255 and will always remain available to people in emotional distress or suicidal crisis even after 988 is launched nationally. The Lifelines network of over 180 crisis centers has been in operation since 2005. It's the counselors at these local crisis centers who answer the contacts that the Lifeline receives every day. Numerous studies have shown that callers feel less suicidal, less depressed, less overwhelmed, and more hopeful after speaking with a lifeline counselor. Don't be scared to ask for help. And all of this is going to be in the show notes as well. Okay. I did not know that. That is really freaking cool Mm -hmm. that they're making it a three-digit. Because I always sat there and I always wondered, like... I guess like in the back of my mind, I always thought it would be so simple, like they needed a more simple number because if you're in that moment, if you're in that headspace, looking up a number that that's is that long is not always going to be the easiest thing for you to do. Exactly. So I think that's super awesome and amazing, amazing resource. And I think it's so great that, you know, people are taking mental health so much more seriously now Mm -hmm. and it's incredible to me. It is so incredible. So. I just wanted to say that. And that is my episode for today. You want to wrap it up for us? I do. 
All right, guys. So you can follow us on Instagram at Going Past the Veil. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash going past the veil. And guess what? You can even email us at, you guessed it, going past the veil at gmail.com. We hope you keep listening. Travel safe.